Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, man. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. This is my advice to you. And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, Go Bros, welcome to the Go Bro Room. Uh, Mr. Jace Mattinson. Not Matson, not Madison. Matt Inson is in the room. What's up, Jace? Hey, how's it going, Pat? How you doing? Good, buddy. Hey, why don't you tell everybody like, like, like do this like a five minute story of your life from the day you were born till now? Can you do that? Yeah. So I was born in Houston, Texas. I was there for a short period before my parents relocated to Spokane, Washington. My parents are both in the medical field and have been there ever since. So I was raised in Washington, grew up uh, working hard and playing sports. I started a paper out when I was 13, all sorts of random businesses as a kid gets into, and then played a ton of sports, uh, basketball primarily, and then a little bit of tennis all through high school. And uh, after that, went to, to college for a year and then went on a church mission to Bulgaria for a couple years. Came back, finished up college, graduated in accounting, had a little accounting business while I was in college, tried to kind of grow that and ran into some roadblocks. So I decided to go and get my CPA license, went to a big four accounting firm uh, in the Bay Area initially with PwC and then transferred to Dallas. And that's where I met my wife. I uh, got married in uh, 20, I think about this, 2014. And uh we stayed in Dallas for a little bit and then moved to Austin, which is where we are now, and uh, had a baby uh, 19 months ago, and I got about a, another month till I have a son. And that's kind of a, a quick five, short, or I guess less than five minute synopsis of my life. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and so how do you make money today? So I, a couple of different ways, but I primarily spend most of my time as a uh, CFO and partner in a building materials company. We've got a bunch of lumber yards and hardware stores all throughout Texas and soon to be Oklahoma. We've got about 40, 40 locations. So we do about a little around a hundred million in revenue. And uh, that's kind of what I spend most of my time doing. And then I've got a, a podcast called Millionaires Unveiled. That's uh, revenue generating and then real estate. And then my wife and I've got a couple other ventures that she's involved with 
that I kind of advise her on and kind of play a part in um, when she needs help. So that's kind of the, the gist. That's awesome. So how many lines of horizontal income do you have, would you say? Four right now. And that's, that's lumping all real estate into one. So I've got, I just bought an Airbnb actually like two months ago. Yeah. So that's, a new, that's a new one. And then I got a, a rental and I'm turning my other primary residence into a rental uh, here in about two weeks, uh, moving into a new house and renting out my old one. Uh, so that's all lumped together. And then I've got a, an interest in a former client that I was a part of uh, that I get some little bit of income every quarter from, and then some syndications. And then uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and then I, I technically have, I've got ownership in my company. So those, those dividends, I technically, you know, if I left, I'd still get those. So I count that as horizontal. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, so you, so are you, do you, do you, do you have a, a role? Like, are you like CEO or are you yeah. just on the board or how do you do that? Yep. I'm on the board and then my title CFO. So I sign as a CFO for the company. Okay. All right. And um, like, how big is that company? You get a hundred million dollars in sales. What, like you're selling lumber to hardware stores. How's this work? No. So we sell lumber to builders, contractors, and then all sorts of, you know, we've got hardware stores on with our lumber yards. It's kind of a, kind of a home, small home center mix. So your plumbers, your electricians, all your, all the guys that flip houses in our group, all their guys that are doing all the work for them are usually the guys buying from our stores, uh, you know, on the small contractor trades. And then we, we do quite a bit of DIY business. So just think if you're going down to replace your air filter, or grab a, you know, a faucet or a screwdriver stuff, then we'll get that business too in the, in the DIY market. And, and what's it called? It's called Higginbotham Brothers. And, and when did you start that? So I got, the company's been around since 1881 and they were in some pretty financial and operational distress. And I got involved about almost four years ago. So I did a little leverage buyout on some of the equity and uh, to kind of took a more of a day-to-day role. And then uh, been involved now for four years. So that's awesome. Yep. What what percentage uh, do you own of that? I got low double digits. Low double digits. Okay. Well, that's good. And then, and uh, have you pulled it out? No, I've like, not. Pull, like pulled out, uh, pulled the company out of uh, despair. Uh, yes. Changed <laughs> it a lot? Have you changed it a lot? So. Yeah, we've made a lot of changes, but yeah, no, EBITDA's, EBITDA's up over 40% and we've tripled profits. So it, all, all things considered, we've, we've kind of gotten to a spot where we, we wanted to get to in five years. We've kind of done in four. Part of that's just the market in Texas has been hot. So sales have been increasing too. And we've had a few acquisitions you know, over the couple of years that have helped that. Just tons of construction, man. I mean, uh, everywhere I look is cranes and, and, and rehabs and yep. just crazy, man. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's a, it's a weird industry in the sense that there's, it's a very fragmented market. So we kind of operate with a little bit of a private equity model where we're kind of rolling up some of the smaller guys and, and using economies of scale and efficiencies to, to kind of make, you know, bigger profits. But you know, the, the people that we're buying from are baby boomer generations and none of their kids have any interest in being involved. But, you know, all of us still need building materials until we figure out how to 3D print homes really well and at an efficient pace. And it, you know, 
that's that's not too expensive. <laughs> how long how long do you think it'll take before that happens? So there's a company in Austin actually called Icon that's that's done it and they've they've got permits and everything and it's it's a kind of a working house, but they haven't been able to do it on scale yet. So the machines are out there to do it. Um, they still use a lot of the materials we sell, especially some of the concrete materials to make it happen. So it's out there. I mean, technology is getting developed, but uh, you know, in terms of like adopting that, I don't know, you know, we could be. So what's that look like? Like if I buy an icon home, does it, is it just like a 3d printer prints the damn thing? It's like a, it's like a prefab home and then they deliver it on a truck. So they haven't they haven't got the logistics in that part down yet. But if you go Google it online, you can see like what it looks like. It's very small. I mean, it looks like kind of a modern style, and and the materials itself are like ninety five percent prefab concrete, basically that the machine just prints and three D prints it. So it's a the company was initially started, I think, to try to develop something for workforce housing and maybe even stuff stuff outside this country but it's you know it's it's in an interesting space that enough people have kind of you know okay let's see how this would work let's see what what it looks like and you know they got the permits from the city to make it happen and hook up all the lines and everything so we'll see if those guys can kind of get rolling down the road but i think we're probably a couple decades away before it kind of you know gets adopted on a large scale to any degree i mean we're still building houses out of lumber (laughs) yeah right 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 fascinating yeah all right so let's let's get back to jace so um what percentage are you jace yeah so i consider myself about a 35 percenter and that's kind of without my distributions just because those are those vary and sometimes we decide to take them and sometimes we decide not to. So that's all just coming from, you know, rental income and then syndications and then uh, my, the small business that I've got a little stake in. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. And what's your a life happiness index average? So that's around a 7.8, 7. 7.9. 7.8, 7.9. What would you say your lowest denominator of your LHI is like what's, what's bringing that down? Would you say the most? It, it's that horizontal income. I think that's something I've really been trying to, to, to work on, especially since I got in GoBundance, trying to figure that out and figure that out on a, on a, on a larger scale uh, for the long term. I, you know, I just, I continually think about that and how to develop more. A lot of the other areas I, I feel like I do pretty well in, but that one, you know, until I'm a hundred, hundred fifty percent, or I don't know that I'll be completely, you know, bumping that one up much. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I mean, it's good that you gave yourself a low score because you're you're thirty five percent. I mean, you're, you know, that's still an F, right? If you're looking at a hundred to a hundred, yeah. and uh, but it's good that you're conscious of it, right? And that's the totally. whole idea, you know, is adding one line a year or 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 more. I mean, you're already how old are you? Thirty one. Okay. So you've already got a decent amount of lines. All right. What about your give back ratio? Do you know how much money you're giving back or time you're giving back to, to, for genuine contribution? Yeah. So I, I tie 10% to my church. So it's, it's 10% there. And then we give, you know, another one to 2% a year in cash and then time, you know, I know some of the guys calculate that. I just, I haven't really sat down and figured that out, but you know, we, we get pretty involved with, with our youth group at our church and mentoring kids. And then, you know, I volunteer on a couple different uh, nonprofit boards uh, as well. So it's, you know, it's probably 15% roughly. What do you see the biggest problem of nonprofits is if you're on a board, right? You're really there to solve problems and you're, you're on a couple of them. So 
what do you see as a common denominator that they do wrong? Well, the ones I'm involved with are, are more in our industry and then and then local stuff, you know, community stuff. Those ones, I don't know that I feel like they do anything wrong. The, the tough challenge is a lot of these nonprofits always got to spend time raising money and a lot of them do anyway. And I feel like a lot of times because they're raising out, out raising money, they really can't hone in on what their, you know, what their purpose is or whatever. And then you also have all these people that, you know, work there and some of them need to take money and take salary. I mean, it's famous, right? Like the Red Cross CEOs making, you know, millions of dollars a year and that's supposed to be a nonprofit. So, you know, I've, I've come to learn since I am a CPA and everything else, I kind of spent a little time in that world that, just because it's nonprofit doesn't mean that people aren't making profits and just not paying taxes. <laughs> so I think the, you know, you got a wide range of, of things, but it's and each one's going to have its own challenge. But I think a lot of times they get distracted from what they're really trying to accomplish, you know, and some of it's lack of funds and some of it's lack of people. Yeah. Very interesting. So we're recording this on October 15th, right? It's the date of the last day of tax season for a lot of people with, with a lot of different K-1s and things. My tax return was 439 pages. Do you know how many pages your tax return is? Do I know how mine personally is? Yeah. It's not that many, but I think it's almost 200. <laughs> 200. Yeah. It's kind of a cool stat. It's kind of a cool question. I'm thinking about it. we should add it to the one sheet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, just something that I think that wouldn't hurt to, to be conscious of, right? It's oh, almost totally. like the, the more it is, the better, right? Until you, until you got to pay the CPA, right? And then you're like, oh, crap. How many? Yeah, that, then it's a, you're paying. Oh, my CPA is like a, part, a part-time employee. I mean, it's over, well over 20 grand. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, but it is what it is. What when you start getting all those K-1s. I mean, it's going to get that big though, right? You know? I right. Mean, it's inevitable. Unless you want to start doing the work, you know, unless you want to start paying even more attention. It's so hard after, after like 25 pages. It's so hard to like, no, you can't even, even know if anything's, you know, right or not. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't even, I mean, you get through that. I'm like, okay, what's, I want to look at a handful of numbers and then I'm just like, especially when they get it to you a day before, right? It's like, oh, geez, I'm not going to review this and turn it (laughs) around. Like, I don't know. I don't have leisure reading of 439 pages of tax return to do. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, Well, another question I think we should add to the, the, the one sheet is credit score. Yeah, right. my, credit, my credit score is 803. I just, you know, I started getting my, my kids obsessed about their credit score, right? I, you know, I, I showed them, you know, how to get Credit Karma and, and started texting them. I mean, it sounds funny, but I started texting them, what's your credit score? And um, now they really pay attention to it. So do you, what's your credit score? So it's it's interesting you bring that up because I I'm literally like been checking it all a ton of times lately because I've I just bought that deal I'm buying a new house and closing on a new loan for that and everything and and the crazy thing is is like depending on which credit bureau you're I mean it's like twenty five thirty points different but I'm averaging around seven twenty <laughs> but I've got one that's like six ninety nine and then one that's like over seven fifty and you know obviously it's been fluctuating a little bit lately just because you know I've had people checking credit and whatnot but it is an interesting question to, to maybe add and and maybe just see where you know who's who's had well i mean it's a great question right it's accountability yeah. yeah see where it's i mean going. mine mine dropped down to 680 one time 
you know, when I was trying to actually refinance my house, I noticed it was at 680 and because it was because, you know, I had an incompetent person helping me with the, with, you know, if I'm going to blame somebody outside of myself, um, you know, helping me with my bills and, and she paid several things 30 days plus late and they showed up and, uh, and it dropped me. But, um, but I think it's great because then, then, it, then if if you keep it, if you start thinking about it, it forces you to check it. Totally, right? totally. You know? Yeah. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a twenty dollar value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Okay, so um, let's talk about your greatest hits, 31 years of age, right? So you got, you know, your first 31 years, you've got five moments in there that are like really poignant, that are like, you know, if you were to die today and these were the five moments that flashed through your eyes, what would those five moments be? Yeah, so I, the first one would definitely be just my overall sports experience through high school and, and even college actually. And that's, that includes middle school. I think they're just, you know, I had, had a lot of success. We had a lot of team success uh, with basketball where I went in Washington and several, several trips to the state tournament. And there just were so many good lessons that, that I learned and so many good friendships and relationships that I developed over the years in participating in, in sports, especially basketball. And I just, I think that in general has carried through in my life. I mean, I still love to play, I go play basketball, you know, once or twice a week still. And so that would be definitely one. The next uh, would definitely be the birth of my daughter. Uh, you know, that's, that's, she's brought in so much joy and fun into our lives. And I, I can't imagine even with some of the sleepless nights when she was a baby, I just can't imagine like not, you know, she's starting to talk now and she just, my dad, dad, and it just like melts your heart. Um, I guess prior to that would be marrying my wife. Obviously that, that was a huge, huge thing. And my wife and I have, have had a lot of fun together and we have a great relationship. And then, uh, you know, going back actually before that probably be, you know, I spent two years on a church mission trip in, in Bulgaria and same deal. I mean, I learned so much, you know, learned the language, developed a ton of great relationships with people over there, learned a ton of different things and skills and stuff that I just, you know, I, I cherish and I hold tight to, you know, to kind of how I operate my life today. And, and those, those kind of the big ones, I think the last one would probably be, um, you know, I just took a trip actually with my parents and my dad's not big on traveling internationally, which is kind of funny because he'll go and do surgeries and stuff down in Africa, you know, on a mission trip, but he doesn't like traveling for leisure outside the country. And so I, I took, he took him, my mom, and then my wife and my daughter back to Bulgaria. We spent a week there. And then I took my wife and, and my daughter to uh, Paris and then Amsterdam for a little extra vacation with just the three of us. And I, vacations in general are would would be included there, but that one specifically, especially it's so recent. I, I don't know that I'll go on a big trip with my dad like that again. He just he just doesn't love going outside the country and just makes him nervous. I don't know why, but I don't know. He he and my mom have discussed going 
going to Italy, but getting my dad out there, you know, we golfed out on the black sea coast and like, that's just something that, you know, my mom, my mom's had cancer twice. And so she's kind of on a ticking time bomb probably. And, you know, we just never know, you know, if she gets it again, like if she'll make it through a third time kind of thing. And so I just, and I don't know how many more of those trips that we'll have, you know, so that would be kind of a, a fifth one. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's intense. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's a reality, right? Because I ran that, that into my mom. I'm, you know, I'm finally at a stage. My kids are, my kids are out of the house, and I, and I really am, am aware that my parents, you know, are, are, are the, the age that they are, and I'm, um, I'm doing something about it. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm taking my dad. I got Super Bowl tickets for my dad, uh, me, and we're going to go to the Super Bowl in Miami. In oh, March, uh, actually January, and you know whatever February first or whatever it is, and I never did that ever. You know, uh, part of the reason why I, get, I, you know, I didn't want to for a certain period of time, and then, you know, and and also I wasn't free enough to do it, and now I want to, and I'm free enough to do it. Yet he's 84, right? Yeah. So. So it's it's interesting just to be conscious of it. But my point is my mom wouldn't do it. Like my mom doesn't even like driving more than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't even like drive if someone else is driving. She said it hurts her neck to 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 drive more to be in a backseat of a car. She might she might go. I took her to my brother's house, which is like an hour away, and that's the about a year ago, and that's the farthest she'd want to go. But anyways, it's just a reality if that happens. And you gotta be conscious. You wonder if that eventually is gonna happen to us. Right, we make these bucket lists, you know, and you're like, uh, "Shit, I don't want to reach a point where, where I can't do them anymore." Yeah, you, you know, know, I just I, I kind of had a weird experience with that recently, actually, because, you know, for for the greater part of my life, I've never knock on wood had like an injury that prevented me from going and playing basketball. I just figured I'll wake up at six a.m. on Saturday morning, I'll go play, and I'll go play Wednesday night, and I, I kind of tore my calf muscle, and I was out for a few months, and it just kind of made me reevaluate, you know, I don't know that I'm always going to have the physical health or that, you know, or even my parents or whatever, especially after seeing my mom go through cancer twice, you know, she doesn't really like skiing anymore because of the neuropathy in her feet. And I'm like, shoot, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, even though I'm only 31, but you know, I was out for three months with that calf injury. And I was like, you know, I'm not gonna just put some stuff off just because I'm like, oh, I'm still young. Like I could do it three years down the road, like really be more intentional. And, you know, David Osborne's the major credit for this for me, especially just figuring out those intentionality, how to live intentionally with certain things and making it happen sooner rather than, oh, it'll be fine later. Cause you're right. Like, you know, who knows if your parents or whatever would be down to do something five years from now or three years from now or 10 years from now, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't know, and you don't know whether you could do it or not. You know what I mean? Like Tim, yeah. I'm getting ready to leave for Patagonia, and Tim Rowe just, you know, smashed his elbow into a million pieces, and and he's yeah. still going. I just got off the phone with him. I want to make sure that he's he's not going to bail, right? And he still plans on going, but he's not going to be able to do the hikes. Yeah, he, you know, there's a couple guys that are going to go um, fishing. Yeah, and, and he'll probably sit in a boat. And watch them fish because I don't even think he can move his elbow. You know, may, maybe one-handed with a fishing rod or some shit. But anyway, so you know, 
It's interesting that I, you know, and, and, and again, everybody has their different philosophies on um, health, but I'm a big believer in yoga and uh, weightlifting in the sense that, uh, you know, with a lot of muscle memory where you're never doing the same shit, right? You're not that mm-hmm. 16 year old that's bench pressing every day, but you're, you are weightlifting two or three times a week where you're constantly uh, confusing your muscles and doing different types of exercises, you know, bench pressing might be once a month, but then 20 other times it's something else, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's different things. And your functionality, I think as you get older, is just, you just, you're just a stronger person when it comes to like picking up a box and putting it at the top of a closet. You're not going to be like, Oh my back, I threw out my back and then be out for a month. Right. Totally. Because, because you've been pushing it and stretching it uh, uh, with light weight ahead of time. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my personal opinion, but uh, that in yoga is key. I think, you know, you know, swimming and, and bicycling um, also, you know, are great cardio, but you get in a run in and some of this CrossFit bullshit where you're constantly like doing the same shit, man, you're just going to injure yourself for the future, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I tend to agree with some of that for sure. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, doing the same lifts anymore like I did in high school. Just that, that same thing, trying to just make sure that I can maintain enough weightlifting, cardio, and everything, and then go do all the other activities that I really enjoy in the day-to-day, you know, lifting a box on a shelf or whatever. You bounce back a lot quicker. If you've been doing it your whole life, you bounce back so much faster, you know what yep. I mean, if, if you fall or something. Yeah. You know? So what do you, let's talk about health a little bit. What's your weight? So I'm at 185-ish. It fluctuates three to five pounds, but I'm at 185 for the most part. What do you, what do you want to be? I'm content there. Um, you know, I took, I was a skinny little guy all up through high school, which probably a lot of guys were, but I, I, I desperately wanted to get to 180 my whole life. And I just never got there until college. And I fluctuate between 170 and 190 here and there the last five to seven years. So I, I'm content with that. I would much rather reduce my body fat a little bit, but maintain the weight around 180. I feel like it's a pretty good weight for me, but I feel healthy at that weight. I can do all the activities I want. If I get down to, you know, I did a half Ironman a few years ago and I dropped down to like 167 and that was just a little bit too thin for me. And my wife was not as attracted to me either. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Mark Schweiger did a, uh, one of the GoBros did a, did an Ironman and, he lost so much weight when he saw his mom. She started crying. <laughs> yeah, my she thought wife he was, was sick. She thought he like had cancer or something. And he was yeah. like, "No, I'm not hiding anything, mom. I'm just training really hard." Yeah, my wife wasn't too impressed with my arms at that at that <laughs> level. <laughs> so I'm content. 180, 185 is fine for me. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to figure out where the perfect spot is, man. What about uh, what what about exercise? Like, what what do you do normally? So I try to play basketball at least twice a week, and then I uh, I've got a Peloton, so I'm on that probably three times a week. I also bike outdoors. I I love to mountain bike and road bike. I'm part of a road biking team too, so I'll I'll get on the bike two to three times a week. Peloton two to three times a week, but sometimes on the Peloton, man, I I do those yoga classes they have on there. Sometimes I'll go through the you know, guided meditation stuff. Like they've got so many different things. It's not just biking. And then, uh, you know, I'll go for a run every now and again when my wife wants to go for a run or, or whatever, but those are kind of the main. And then I weight lift. I spend at least three days a week in the, in the gym weightlifting. 
you know, just trying to maintain strength and, and, you know, doing different exercises. I like getting on one of those, uh, Jacob's ladders too. That thing's pretty tough. I, I, I don't last more than five Is that minutes. the steps? You mean the steps that move? Yeah. So it's like you're climbing a, a ladder, hands and feet with the things that move. And it's, for whatever reason, that thing is just tough for me. I can, I barely last like five minutes trying to go a hundred steps a minute. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's just hard because you're, you know, it's like stepping up on a bench and then stepping back down. It just wins you, you know, it just yeah. is what it is. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that's, have you seen that mirror thing? Mm-mm. It's basically a mirror. Imagine like a full length mirror, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like a Peloton. So hmm. the, the person, the, 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 whoever it is, I don't know if they're real people or, you know, and recorded studio or something recording cartoons i don't know what they are i only saw the commercial for it is the size of a full-length mirror hmm. so you're in the mirror and then someone else is in the mirror interesting and, and they're training you so they're like okay you know 20 push-ups okay now do this okay now or we and it could be yoga it could be you know whatever the case may be they're right there in the mirror huh interesting yeah. I haven't seen one of those yet. It's the same concept of Peloton, but I guess not without the bike, you know, and just yeah. like a fucking mirror. You have a personal coach right there and you just turn it on. It's kind of freaky if you think about it. Huh. Have to check it out. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's talk about your future. Let's see. You got how old how old is your child? You got a boy or girl? So I've got a girl that's nineteen months and then I got a boy that's due next month. Oh, sweet. All right. So let's say, let's go 10 years. So let's say you got a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. Yeah. Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? Yeah. So I think 10 years down the road, at least with the family, you know, my wife and I have discussed, we kind of want to, we'll keep Austin as home base, hopefully for, for a long, long time. But in the summers, we want to take off and go spend you know six to eight weeks in a different part of the country every year and we've kind of built out a little list of the places we'd like to go and kind of try to do that as much as possible i know it'll probably get a little crazy with activities and stuff in the summer but that's one big thing you know there's a a thing called the hottie route and they they take you on these uh routes basically all over the world but specifically the ones i'm most interested in are in europe on the tour de france routes and you basically go and ride some of the same routes that the the professional riders and they treat you like a professional rider that's kind of a big bucket list item that i've kind of pegged for for doing you know over the next 10 years around that 40th birthday you know in terms of business stuff you know my wife and i are are launching a new venture in her world that i hope to that you know we'll still be working and going with obviously and continue to add horizontal lines of, stream, or, uh, of income and at some point i'll probably most likely have an exit where i'm at now by then i can't imagine i'd still still be rolling in 10 years but we could who knows but that's kind of looking out 10 years that's kind of where where i see things we'll probably have at least one more child in there as well that's awesome all right, Jace. Well, listen, let's, um, let's spin the deck here and ask a couple of questions from the GoBro, from the GoBundance app here. Um, oh, tell me about the business you and your wife are, are, or your wife is starting while I pull this up. Yeah, so she's in the uh, nutrition communications and media space, and she's kind of moving 
into some physical products. So she's got a, a kind of think Lululemon meets aprons. So she's got an apron coming out and then a couple other kitchen products uh, that she's kind of redesigned and, and we've kind of worked on together that she's going to be rolling out. So pretty excited about that. Company's going to be called Kitch. Kitch. I like yep. it. Yep. So it's going to be like cool upscale gear for the kitchen. Yep. Total direct to consumer. And we've kind of actually received some uh, inquiries already from some commercial uh, you know, think large hotel chains and stuff. So that may be, that was not something we initially thought we would. What would they, what would they do with it? Right. Don't they want to get. Yeah. So they just, they'd be outfit. Yeah. They'd be outfitting all their employees uh, with her gear and basically, you know, essentially be private label and they would put their brand on it, but would use her material and kind of her, uh, you know, ingenuity that she's done with these fabrics to make them what they are and their cuts and everything. So it be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. But we initially were going just direct to consumer, you know, skip the middleman, kind of put something on the market. It's a very fragmented industry just in general and kitchen products in general. And there's not very much brand loyalty. So she's kind of got a, an interesting, uh, you know, play on, on that whole world and spends a lot of time in it. So we'll see how it goes. So far, it's so good. I mean, there's a lot of people just on the direct to consumer side with just her aprons alone, let not even into some of the other products that, that she's kind of got pre-sales going for now. And, she, and like, how'd she come up with this? How'd she start like studying this or figuring this out? So she's a registered dietitian by trade and then started a consulting business. And then from the consulting business kind of led into this nutrition communications and media. So she'll, she'll go on good day Austin and do a segment and then she'll work with these, you know, massive tech companies. that will bring her in for a day to, you know, do meals and all this junk. And she just kept seeing like the same complaints of people like, Oh, you know, I love the kitchen, but like everything, you know, all the products suck. It takes too much time. And so she kind of went on this, you know, I make, I make, you know, cooking quick and easy, you know, and healthy. And she, her real, real knack is like taking recipes and making them healthier. Like she's really, really, really good at that. You know, figuring out how to change out ingredients to make them much healthier and not sacrifice taste and as she started just doing tons of those things with all sorts of clients and stuff it just kind of kept coming up like oh hey all my kitchen stuff like i really don't like know what to use like what should i buy and it was like all right like let me go and kind of research this a little bit more and so she initially was like well i've got a ton of mom she's got a big instagram following and stuff so she was like i don't might as well just start with aprons like that's an easy sell and so kind of put these mommy and me aprons together because she cooks with my daughter in the kitchen a lot. And then it's just kind of evolved from there. That's so cool, dude. Yeah. That's so cool. What's her IG? It's just Stacy Mattinson. Stacy Mattinson guys. Yep. Follow that one. M A double T I N S O N. All right, buddy. So, um, here's some, here's a question from the GoBundance app. Jace, what did you want to be when you were a kid? <laughs> that's funny i wanted to be a doctor actually I, I grew up around both my parents were in the medical field and like literally pretty much everybody i felt like that i knew around us was in the medical field and i was like oh i'm just gonna be a doctor like that's and i was pretty set on being an ophthalmologist so pretty set on being an ophthalmologist yep and then you said I don't want to be an ophthalmologist. <laughs> well, who was yeah, I thinking, I just, right? Who wants to be an ophthalmologist? I just kind of was like, <laughs> my, my passion's in business. Like, it's just not, 
I mean, I love medicine. I'm, you know, I've got a brother who's going in medic medical field and I've got a brother-in-law who's already in residency and, you know, I love them to death. I think they're great professions. We need them doctors. I'm glad that I've, you know, we've got great doctors out there, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's, that's fascinating. When, uh, when did you not speak up when you really know that you should have spoken up? Hmm, that's a tough question. Um, you know what? I actually do have a recent experience with this. So my dad used this financial advisor for a super long time. And I don't know why he was set on using the same financial advisor, but he just did. And he kept using him, he kept using him, he kept using him, even though my dad told me that he needed to get rid of him. And he just kept getting, you know, just kept going and going. I finally was like, well, it's my dad's decision. I'm not going to really, you know, mess with it. And then I didn't say anything until literally probably like a year ago. I was like, dad, you really need to like get away from this financial advisor. And it's not a fraud story or anything like that. It just, you know, at the end of the day, my dad looks back and he, you know, he's, he paid this guy, you know, the equivalent of several Teslas. And the guy did really <laughs> nothing for him, you know? And, and I think my, the guy just kind of milked me. You know, it's my dad's an easy target. My parents are easy targets. And, you know, my dad had primarily invested a lot of his money in the markets in a 401k. And the guy just kind of sat on it and just milked it and milked it and milked it. I'm like, dad, you don't need this. He's not providing any value for you. And, you know, I look back and I'm, I had opportunities multiple times. Cause my dad really started trusting me like financially and financial advice, like probably about a decade ago. Hmm. Um, just kind of was like, you know, I think you were lucky, right? Cause you were 21. Yeah. I think he just kind of was, you know, and I learned a lot from my dad, but I think he just saw that I just picked things up so much more naturally and, and he trusted me and I just didn't. And I, you know, I probably could have saved him a, another two Teslas <laughs> if I would have spoken. Yeah. But, it, but it was, it, was he just in the equities market? I mean, I guess the, the good part about it is you were in ascending market anyways. Right. So it didn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's one way you could look at it, but I think he looks at it like, yeah, you you know, I spent all that money on all these fees for nothing, you know, and you know, he gave, probably gave the guy three or $400,000 that was probably Jeez, unnecessary. Holy shit. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like he was trading or anything, you know, this guy's just pulling, pulling a percentage out of his portfolio every year. So I hate that. I, you know what? I, I, I don't know if you ever struggle with this or it's just me. Sometimes I struggle with like things like that where like you, you know, I think about it, like guilt myself, like I should have said something earlier. I should have, I should, like I had a situation recently that I'm beating myself up for now. It's only been a week, but like, um, you know, I was at, my wife and I went to a happy hour and, um, you know, one of the guys there, he's a neighbor of mine, you know, I know him, right? So mm-hmm. he it was like five or six people having a conversation and he, he uses the N word. And my other neighbor, Laura, you know, jumped in and was like, dude, that, that, you know, I know you've had a bunch of drinks, but that is just, this is fucking not cool, dude. And, <laughs> um, and, um, you know, at the time it was a lot of noise and commotion and, you know, people talking, it was a crowded room. I looked around to make sure like no one's going to jump on him and beat his ass, you know, and it was all, you know, it was like seven white people there and, and I was like, geez, man, what the hell? And then the next day I woke up and I was like, damn, how come I wasn't the one that like called him out and said something or like, 
threw my drink down and walked away or, you know what I mean? And then I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, now I got to go to ring his doorbell and I should say something to him. And I'm kind of, you know, battling that back and forth in my mind. It was like, what am I going to say to him when I see him and what's the right thing? And, you know, and I, I do that a lot. I don't know. I guess that's my point. I don't know if it means anything. Does, did, did you struggle with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I just felt bad because I knew I had the trust with my with my dad to like really kind of say something but at the same time you know i i really wanted to spec that like hey it's his money <laughs> like i shouldn't really tell him what to do with it but at the same time i'm like you know he really pissed away a ton of money that you know and you know three or four hundred thousand dollars that he really didn't need to and he brought it up to me you know 10 years ago but i just kind of was like oh yeah i mean i don't know like sure you've been with him a while whatever when in reality i probably could have just you know, and we've had several discussions since, but it wasn't, it wasn't until more recently that my dad, you know, he's in his late fifties and kind of looking at retirement. You weren't, you weren't nagging him when you should have been, right? Yeah. I mean, I should have, I should have said, Hey, look, dude, like you really need to move this. Like, here's why. And you know, here's, here's all the things. I think part of it was emotional. I mean, he'd been with him since he was like in his, you know, early thirties or late twenties even. And I think, you know, after 25 years, he has a good relationship with him. I'm like, it's no, it's just business. Like, just move it away. Like, you're still going to be friends. You'll still see him around and go to the lake. He'll be across the way, wave to him, go out on the boat together. Like, I don't think he's going to just shut your friendship down because you move your money away from, you know, he's doing nothing for you, you know, in the sense that my dad's not trading. It's like, it's just sitting there. You're going to be in retirement and start drawing from some of it anyway, so... But I just never did. And I, you know, yeah, I and I think also it's sad to say, but, you know, sometimes these long relationships that you have with people could be detrimental. I mean, it's kind of like a real estate agent or a stockbroker. If you're using the same one yeah. and they're, they're 70 years old, they're clearly, most likely they're not going to be as sharp and as, as aggressive and as in the know. Yep. as younger people in that same field. I mean, it's not right or wrong. It just, you know, chances are yeah. interview three guys in their 30s or late 20s, early 30s about, you know, how to manage money or how to find you a house that you want to buy or sell your house. It is, I, I you know. Yeah. Interesting. Or even if you would have just moved, you didn't have to move all of it. You know. Right. Move some of it. Yeah. You know, a little here, a little there, or whatever. Or better yet, you know, move it to uh, move it to an account that you have control over. Exactly. And that was kind of, you know, what I what I should have spoken up on. Like, dude, just <laughs> get away from him. Like, just let me deal with it, right? Put it in well, an E-Trade account. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're-, you're and, I'll, and I'll tell you where to move it. Yeah. yeah. You're going to stay in the same funds. I mean, you're tied to those funds and it's fine. Like, so just move it. You have control over it and you don't have to pay the fees. You're not going to trade. So it's fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, cool. Well, Jace, this has been a blast, buddy. I appreciate you coming on and sharing and uh, uh, wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. And uh, I'm sure you, uh, are you going to be in Aspen? You know, I'm not sure about Aspen. We got the new baby. Oh, coming. you got the baby coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I leave my wife for various things, but I try to be pretty, pretty involved right when the, when the baby's come. You, to, you know, you know what I was going to ask you um, that I'm, that, that I didn't, what about Bolivia, dude? Like why is that, were you on a Mormon uh, mission yep. there or what was that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. LDS mission in, in Bulgaria. And it was two years, and um, and your whole goal there was to 
to move people to the Mormon faith, right? Yeah, we go and teach about Christ, and then, you know, we do all sorts of service, you know, with various uh, organizations over there, and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, there's no middle class of countries real rich and real poor. There's no middle class at all, and, and the real rich is, you know, all mafia pretty much. So, you know, we spend a lot of time with very, very poor people and just, you know, trying to serve them and, and help them. Did you stay with a family? No, we just lived in apartments. And then when you went back, was there anybody there that you that you knew from before? Yeah, I saw tons of people from before. Just just people in the church and people that you had worked with and yep, yep, and met all sorts of people we had met, worked with, and then a couple of met, couple of people in the church, and then uh, you know some people that I used to go to some of the same restaurants for months, you know, so I'd go see the old waitress and stuff like that. So really, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Couple of, them, oh. couple of the people had passed, uh, you know, since I'd, you know, it's been 10 years, over 10 years, and a couple of the people had, had passed on when I was, you know, trying to find them, trying to find my old hair hair lady in one of the cities that I lived in, and she had passed on, but uh, there's a lot of people still, you know, young enough that were around and, that I got and, to see. And, and how'd you find them? Like, were you, did you like make a concerted effort to like call everybody or Facebook them or like, how'd you plan this trip? To, did they know you were coming back? Yeah, so I told most of them on Facebook, and then the couple people that were older that don't have Facebook, I just, I just, you know, I'm like, they're working there every day, so I'll just go to the spot where they're working and and pop in, and that's when I found out one of the ladies had passed on that, you know, cut my hair. She was in her 60s when she was there, so she died a little young, but I guess she ended up falling, breaking a hip, and then passed on. I, I found out from the lady next door, um, but most of them I just contacted with Facebook and you know, said, Hey, look, come back. And a lot of them I still keep in contact with, you know, we'll catch up on Skype every so often or, you know, catch up on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, that's exciting. Well, cool. Chase. Well, I mean, Jace, this has been fun, you know, best of luck to you in your future endeavors. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing your one sheet here with the GoBros. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Pat. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I succeeded, but I love my wife, I love my life, and I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, don't step to me, bitch. Now you can.